Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, and we've got a dual episode for everybody today. We're going to bring in Russ Cohen. He was at the World Junior Championship, so we're going to get his breakdown on that. And then our featured team this week is the Columbus Blue Jackets, and no better guy to talk Blue Jackets hockey than good friend of the show, Mark Scheig. He's the lead hockey writer over at the Hockey Riders for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he'll be in a little later. And then we're going to go down the Vegas lane, talk about the week that was kind of a tough schedule for the Knights this week, but uh, coming along pretty good, coming along pretty good. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, it might be the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. All right, hockey fans, we're back. And thank you once again for coming in and, and spending a little bit of your Saturday with us. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are things out on Long Island? Good day to you, sir. Things uh, things are good. Um, really, I'm always excited every show, but two of my faves are on this show, Russ Cohen uh, and then Mark Scheid. So we'll get into uh, uh, got a lot to t- touch base with those with those guys. But uh, you know, the Knights, um, four points, four games. Not, I mean, tough, like you said, tough schedule. Hey. Three of those. Three three games in the last four nights. I mean, they went to Nashville. Yeah. They went to. It's funny. They they won the toughest game on the schedule. Uh, right. You know, had a you know, but right there in all all the games, obviously, two overtime losses uh, and uh, a one nothing loss, and um, I forget was it four two or five two win in Tampa. So, I mean, they're fine. Four they're one, first sir. Place four by, one. Four one. They're, they're in first place by ten points. I mean, granted, the Sharks uh, have a game in hand. So even if they if they win that game in hand, it's eight points. But they're, they're fine. They're, I mean, to me, as long as they play uh, a few games, you know, a little bit over five hundred, if you will, the rest of the way, uh, they're gonna win the division. I mean, uh, they're in. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. You got four teams, and not to get, we'll probably maybe we'll get into this next week uh, when we have Zach Devine on uh, talk about the Pacific and the Sharks, but. Uh, you know, you got four teams within a point of each other in the Pacific: the Sharks, the Flames, the Kings, and the Ducks. So that's where the, the drama is going to be. Yeah, that's going to be where the drama is going to be in the Pacific. For but sure. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the? You know, I mean, like I said, the Knights are just 
they're fine. They're in good shape. Uh, they got, a, what, I think three games before uh, the All-Star break. So just finish up okay and um, Two at home. You know, off they will go. Yeah, it's 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 funny, but um, and I always pump the tires on the Golden Knights talk because uh, one game at a time, a lot of hockey left to go. When you when you look at it, I mean, yeah, they're they're what do we say? Ten points clear in the division of second place San Jose. Um, but where am I at? Okay, still ten points out of missing a playoff spot. 11 points at down uh, 10 to points uh, a lot. 10 points is a lot. 11 points actually down to the and I'm looking this morning the the Kings fell out of the playoffs last night with a loss and Colorado yeah. is actually holding down the last wild card spot in the west. That's pretty an outstanding story all by itself. Um we'll have to get someone from Colorado in to talk about what the heck's going on over there here pretty soon, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> what's interesting uh, it's you know, but uh, before we digress, I want to because Russ could be on in a couple minutes. I want to talk about uh, Derek England, a uh, real good signing, yep. you know, again, a, a real good deal for both sides. He's at for the sure. end of his career, as you know, as you know, he he uh, before being picked by the Knights, uh, he he resides in Las Vegas the last few years. You know, he's a he's a compliment again, like Brandon McNabb, complimentary player, one year deal, 1.5 cap number back-end defenseman, it's a win-win for everyone all around. Oh, for sure. He's the kind of guy that you could put a guy like Shea Theodore with if he's if he's losing his way a little bit, and, and England will be that guy that can settle, be the settling force for the, the younger people on the defense score. Um, he, gets a, he gets a little bump. He, he goes up to 1.5, which is fine. Um, if it's up to me, everybody on this team deserves a raise. Let's face it, including George McPhee. Can you renegotiate your general manager's salary after the first year? Because uh, he needs to get a little bump in pay too. All of these deals that have come down with Marsha Show and McNabb and, and England and so on and so forth. Uh, great, great cap numbers for the teams. I got to believe the state tax situation comes into play. Um, you can take a few a few dollars off of the annual average uh, value oh. of the contract because they're getting, you know, more net pay out of playing in Las Vegas. Uh, so and and enough to make both sides happy with with those deals. So uh, William Carlson, I think should I'm, I'm gonna shift my focus. Uh, I think William Carlson should be the next piece to to be locked That's gonna up. Be a tricky uh, one. That's going to be a I tricky think, one because um, I don't know. I mean, Riley Smith, Riley has five million. Marsha Show signed for five million. You put five million on the table for Carlson, who's kind of obviously rejuvenated his career from from what was going on with him in Columbus. Um, I think you make that line all equal, and I I, I I can't see Carlson arguing with that. No, but if I'm Carlson's agent, I'll I I would say to you if you were George McPhee, no problem. I'll sign for $5 million, but I want a two-year, $10 million deal. So then it gives my so guy to the next two years to, sh- yeah. two years to show that this past year is the real McCoy. He'll still be under Vegas control when the contract ends as an RFA, but then he, if he can do over the next couple of years what he's done this year, 
Now we're talking, you know, 10 million plus. So I, if yeah. I, that's what I mean about Tricky. Uh, the Knights want to sign him to a to a long term deal. You know, uh, let's say four sure, years think. plus, five years. He's going to want, and I don't blame him. You know, that six, seven, maybe even eight million dollar number based on his production this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out. But I mean, he's not going anywhere. He's got to sign and all that. So. Uh, right, right. Be, uh, uh, you know, I'll be curious. It is that is a that is a good point. That's that's an interesting point you bring up because, um, say you go three years six, um, hopefully the draft picks from this year and last year and the coming year, a few of those got to be ready to come up and 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 fight for a roster spot at that point. I'm hoping. So. Right. Sure. Next couple of years. Yep. So the depth at forward is going to, I mean, it's only going to get better by all, by all accounts and, and what the Suzuki and Glass and and so on are doing this year. Uh, they're right on pace to be quality National Hockey League players. There's the the top four picks so far. Hag still working on his skating a little bit. But other, other than that, I want to get Russ Cohen's take on Brandstrom. I only saw the one yep. the one game. And I know he was at a lot of the games there. So um, he looked really, really good at, at World Juniors. So being over in Sweden, he's tough to keep your eye on. Um, sure. So, so you know, you know, when 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 you're looking at a 27 year old guy like Marsha Show, and and you sign him for the deal for the long term, um, that's one thing. But when you have someone who's just now 25. And then you start going towards those free agency years, and when you when your RFA, UFA, and all that stuff, then it does get tricky. That's a good point, but I think that has to be the next focus. And then, you know, your last big chip after that is James Neal, and I gotta believe, obviously, talks are talks are going on between the two sides at this point, and and it remains to be seen whether that can get done. Whether you you know what I don't know even know if you move him at the deadline. Do you? Let me ask you, Chris. If you can't come to a deal and and you agree that both sides are probably part, do you hold on to him for the rest of the year and go ahead and make the run and then thank him for his service? It would. This if I was in George McPhee's ear, it would take a very uh, strong, enticing package for someone. It's not just you know trading him away. It's the message that's sent. You know you have so yep. much going for yourself. Where and all that jazz. So if I am even going to think about going down that road, someone's got to give me, let's say, uh, you know, like a top prospect who could be on this team next year uh, in a first round. Pick. First. It's got to be absolutely. Yeah, it's maybe before, a third. It's got to be that. It's got to be a very strong package to even, you know, think about doing that. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, if someone says, "Oh, I'll give you," you know. Two twos or you know whatnot, two twos and a B prospect. Ah, you know that's a good package, but we're not in that time and space, and and so be it. You at the start I mean? of the so season, I, you I, would jump at that, right? Yeah, at the start at of the, the season, you know, I thought that's where we were headed. I mean, I got to be honest sure. with you. I think it's very likely that between Neil and Perron, that one of these guys will be gone. Will not be on this team at uh, next year. I mean, it just. I think just they both has, stay you know, though. Both and I think one's going to stay, and I think one's going to go. So I mean, I, at I the deadline, or they don't want to. 
No, no, no. I, I mean, both. Uh, no, no, no. Both, both are going to stay. I'm sorry. They're going to stay. Yeah, right. In the off season. I okay. Mean. Both, I, I, no, I, I agree with you Vegas, now. I don't think Vegas is going to make really any moves other than if there's an injury or two, you know, to pick up a, 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 a fourth-line forward or a third-pairing defenseman. They're going to be kind of I, – I don't I don't see it. I see them getting – going uh, either selling or really being an aggressive buyer. It would be more for depth, and that that's going to be, in my opinion, dictated by injury. Well, they did just lose uh, Tomas Nosek to the to injured reserve after uh, a crappy hit by Alexi Emelin. Um Nowhere near the puck, and he lined him up and and put shouldered him in the head, and there was a penalty assessed on it. But total total thirty. And they're going to get. They're going to get. Uh, and so maybe back, maybe uh, maybe you look for for that fourth line center. Right, they're gonna get Spisa back late February, early March. So in a way, you know, I'm wondering like a trade acquisition. Well, I'm wondering they've brought up Jason Garrison now. Another another piece of news from the week, and he's skating and he's had two practices with the team now. And I'm wondering if Jason Garrison plays like Jason Garrison that we know. Um, Spisa might be that that defenseman that you take a third round pick for. And you know, we we know that there's a uh, excess of NHL contracts at the defensive position with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, if Jason Garrison comes up and gets in the lineup and plays like Jason Garrison can and stays healthy, I, I speeches, this is his third stint, uh, extended stint being injured this season. Um, I don't know what his value on the market is at this point, but I, they may stick with, with Garrison if he comes and fits in, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I've been, I mean, I've been hoping he would come up. He's not a, he's not a minor okay. league hockey player. No, not at all. He's a guy who can help out. So if he's doing the job by the time Spees is ready, you're right. Maybe you know, maybe the again. I don't think your best case scenario is you're looking at a third round draft pick. Uh, it, it might even be a fourth, but um, um, you know the, the Knights don't have a third round pick, so that would. That would slide need nicely it. from that standpoint. For sure. So yeah, I, I, I something like that. Yeah, I could see, I could see them doing something along those lines. Sure. But but yeah, going back to uh, Neil and Perron, and like you said, unless they, unless it's amazing to say this, and I always kind of chuckle, and they're in a win now position. Uh, we're at the All Star break. They're one point out of first place in the in the entire National Hockey League. If you know between Perron and Neal, if if they can't get either one done, I, it better be a heck of a package to to move either one of those at the deadline. I think it'd be like, okay, well let's let's see how far this thing goes this year, and and we'll get back to you after the season, and maybe we can sign you before you hit free agency, and we'll just talk then. And if not, thank you for your service. It was it was great, and. Um, then you then you move along part ways and and but I think you gotta you gotta make the run when you have a chance to make the run. I mean, yeah, like I said, I think I think it makes sense to to do that. And again, the playoffs, as we've talked about, the whole new season, we'll worry about them when you get there. But you, you can't you can't do it unless, like I said, if someone entices you with a a pretty special package that could impact your organization for the next ten years. 
that's different. Then that's a different conversation. That's a different meeting, and that's why George McPhee and his staff get gets paid the big bucks. Yeah, it's it's tough. I don't know if uh, it's tough, man. No one no one saw this coming. I, I I'm tired of the no one saw this coming talk, and I still find myself I still find myself using that phrase uh, talking to people at work and what have you. Um, what a great, what a great problem to have, right? It's like you have three pitchers on your staff and, and they're all considered starters, you know, on another team and number one starters. That's a good problem to have who's going to be in your lineup. So Absolutely. there's been a couple, a uh, couple of hits this week that I wanted to ask your question about too. There was a uh, Roosevelt hit on Kempe in the last Ducks Kings game. And there was a there was a two game suspension handed out to Roosevelt Wright, and he was the Iron Man, and that was the big story. Was it was questionable suspension because of his Iron Man streak? And I wanted to get your take on the hit if you saw it, and if you think the suspension was warranted. Hey, look, uh, I, I unfortunately did not see the hit, but look, at the end of the day, I don't care what his streak is or anyone's streak there is. You go. If you go over the line and you need to be suspended then you need to be suspended. So we talk about safety of the players, and nothing speaks, you know, nothing is more of a deterrent than getting hit in the pocketbook. So I, I uh, again, I'm not for, we're not talking about tiddly wings here, but uh, I, I don't want uh, reckless, uh, dirty play. So, you know, um, I don't have a problem with him getting suspended. No, it was, a, it was a reckless play. It was targeting the head and the puck was gone. And it did bother me that a lot of the talking heads on TV were, well, you know, it's kind of questionable being that he had an Ironman streak going and had the most consecutive games played currently in the league. So I don't know if you want to suspend a guy in that situation. I think that's exactly the situation you suspend a guy in. It, it, I don't think that's relevant to the discussion. And I was disappointed that a lot of the national commentators would even – you you could bring that up in your story if it was an aside to the main thrust of what we're talking about is is an intent to injure a player with a blow to the head. Um, that's the focus of the story and the fact that the Iron Man streak ends because of it. Um, good, it it should end. And then there was a, there was another hit that a lot of people were upset with that I didn't really and this isn't through my golden colored glasses here, but there was a hit. I think it was McNabb on Ryan Johansson in the Nashville game. No, it was Alex Tuck. It was Alex Tuck, I believe, against Ryan Johansson. And I don't know if you saw this one, but he didn't elevate. The puck was there. It was against the boards. Uh, it was shoulder in. There was no leaving your skates. That's one of the things they look at. Um, and I I didn't have a problem with that. There wasn't a penalty, and there's no supplemental discipline. And I, I get your take on that one. Yeah, I didn't see that hit, so you have a better view of it than I. Um, but again, I, I I think you know with how easy it is for players to get um, you know lost for significant time, especially we're talking about near the head and stuff like that. I think they I think the league needs to be prudent. I, I think I think in both cases they got it right. I, I saw that no 
supplemental discipline was going to come down for the Alexei Emelin hit, which I disagree with. The the player was going the opposite way. The puck was on the boards, and he was coming out out above the circle over the blue line, and he just lined him up and railed him in the head. And I thought that should have warranted a one-game suspension as well. Um, but not to be on that case, not to be on that case. What, what else is going on, Chris? We're waiting for Russ Cohen from Sportsology.com, who's good enough to host our podcast on the Sportsology SoundCloud page. Um, so while we're waiting for him to join us, what else did you have for us? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of crazy to me of uh... – how many teams in the playoff race and uh, both, you know, in certain division races and, and both uh, both conferences wild card races. And let's face it, you know, very quietly under the radar, you can make an argument since I think around mid-November, well, I guess the last two months, the team in the league has been the Bruins. Yeah, we looked down this week and all of a sudden they're third overall, 60 points. Uh I mean, last time I really looked, they were they were not anywhere near the top of the league, and all of a sudden that top line's caught fire, and uh, they reeled off a bunch of wins in a go in a, in a row. What you're you're closer to the action there in Boston than I am out here in the West Coast. So, uh, what, what's what's going on in Boston? I mean, Rask is playing like the Rask who won the Cup. Uh, right. Their young guys are are pitching in. DeBrusque, you know, McAvoy. Um, they're, they're just doing a, uh, I mean, like ridiculous, their record has been ridiculous the last two months. Uh, you know, obviously they got Bergeron and, uh, and Marchand and, you know, they're, they're, uh, for Marchand, I should say. And, um, uh, I mean, all of a sudden they're only five points behind Tampa for, to, for the Atlantic. So, uh, yeah. now they have a five point spread on the Leafs. So, uh, very, very interesting. Like I said, they've, you know, I don't think I'm going out of bounds saying they've been the best team in, in hockey uh, the last two months. So, But, again, you look at the Eastern Conference and even the, the Western Conference, uh, it is just crazy. Like, for instance, if you're the, you wake up this morning, you're the Sharks, you're in second place in, in the Pacific, but you could wake up tomorrow morning and be out of the playoffs. So, I mean, uh, it's ridiculous of what's going on uh, with these races. And, uh, I think it's going to impact the deadline because I think there's just going to be very, very few sellers. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, super, super tight in the West. Um, the Islanders have almost climbed their way back into a playoff spot after a little bit of a lull. Um, a- Anders Lee, notable all-star snub, now I believe third in yeah. the league in goal scoring, heating up even further. Um, Carlson with another one last night in that goal scoring race. We're, we're just a little bit away from the all-star break. And, and I guess I haven't, I haven't really talked to you about the format here in the all-star when they, since they've gone to the three on three, are you, are you a fan of that, Chris? I gotta be honest with you. All-star games to me, their exhibitions and all sports, uh, other than baseball, which I only watched the beginning of, I mean, baseball is one of the major sports that can just play their game, the all-star game, because it's not a physical sport. Sure. The other sports, so, you know, from the physicality and how you play defense and all that jazz, uh, for me, the all-star is a celebration weekend, and it's great for the city that has it this year. It's in Tampa. I, I, I get a big kick out of the 
the skills competition night because, you know, we get to see, you know, all these different things that the players can do. It's a little different. It's a little, it's, it's very unique. It's something we don't see, you know, very often. And it's a different uh, twist and take of it. I find that interesting. And then obviously the, the interviews with the players over the weekend and stuff. Uh, so I, I find that, but in terms of the game, uh, you know, you know, uh, it, it doesn't really do it for me. I, I I like it's a little more exciting. They can play a little bit harder because you're not as physical with the three and th- three on three format. Um, it is more competitive since they've added a little bit of uh, a coin, a little coin purse there to the to the winner here out of the round robin little mini three on three tournament that they do. So it is it is a little bit more competitive than than it was in the past with your 15 to 12 games, um, and there's not as much physicality. In, involved so they are able to compete a little bit harder with that kind of open ice the thing i don't like about it is that three on three obviously you're losing quite a bit of the league's availability to participate in the all-star game and guys that are having good years and deserve an all-star slot um carlson Annersley, among among others um there's just not enough spots anymore for those guys to, to exactly. be on an all-star team and i i kind of would like to see that where you do your fan vote because the you know we talked a little bit last week about Flurry making an All Star team and Carter Hutton getting left out even though Flurry's missed a bunch of games um, this year obviously and and maybe a more deserving spot so uh, if you're gonna go with the fan vote fine and and fill out the starting team but I, I gotta see more players and maybe a coaches and captain pick to fill out the rest of the rosters with just, you know, give me a few more players uh, in each division that are, that are deserving that are voted on by their peers. Um, I'd like to see that just because guys, guys playing this well into the season, they, they deserve to be, you know, honored and recognized for what they're doing. Well, I, I see, I think we've got Russ on the line. Yeah, is this Russ? Yep. Hey, buddy. Good to talk it to is. you. Well, well, we're going to welcome Russ into the show. Russ Cohen, uh, ownersportsology.com. Good enough to host our show on his SoundCloud Sportsology page. Sir, thanks for coming in. Anytime. Sorry about getting hauled up. Covering the game, too. So. No, no. I got you. I got you. Well, real quick, because we're going to have a guest on here, uh, Mark Scheige. You, you know Mark, and he's going to be joining us here in a few yep. minutes. Give, give us your uh, give us your just quick synopsis on what you saw while you were at the World Junior Championships and and highlight a few players for us and and then we'll I'll, I'll let Chris get a little specific on a few of the questions after that. Sure. Well, I know that Vegas fans wanted to know about Branstrom. I thought Branstrom was great. He was skating great, passing the puck really well. He um, he looks like he's put on a few pounds of muscle. He'll probably you know need to do a little bit more. Maybe next year will be his year. But but he looked really good. I, I liked what I saw out of him. Uh, you know, I still liked what I saw out of like Svechnikov. I I he was you know I don't think he's shooting with the same regularity since the uh, injury. So <clears throat> maybe for the top prospects game we'll see a little more of that. He's still at five points, but he um, he wasn't like at full strength. I don't think even though he played. So so there was that. You know, Leah Anderson. We all know about what happened with that. I was fine with it. But as far as how he looked, he looked great. 
and the fact that he's playing with a uh, with a with a shoulder injury was very reminiscent of Tarasenko uh, a while back when he won gold. So good for him. He didn't win gold, but he certainly had a uh, like a gold medal attitude. So he had a great shot. He looked really strong, and I expect him to finish the whole year in Hartford the rest of the year. I don't think I don't think the Rangers should call him up. Uh, hey, which player Chris, moved up your which, real quick before I throw you to Chris? Just wondering if any player stood out to you and has moved up your draft board as you know we're headed into the second half of the NHL season and the draft's coming right up. Yeah, Anybody I would, stand I, out that you I, would, I would say Philip Zadina. I mean, it's a possibility that he moved up, but you can only move up just just so far. But right. Philip Zadina was unbelievable. He. He may have been the best shooter in that tournament. So he, he certainly moved up. There's no question about that. Uh, like, again, for Brady Kachuk, like, can he, can he move any higher? Not really. So a lot of guys that were in the top ten really maybe only moved a spot or two, but there's still more tournaments left. All right. Well, hey, let, me, Russ, let me bring Chris in. Yep. Hey, Russ, i got two quick ones for hey. you. Uh, yep. Keith Kiefer Bellows uh, lit the lamp quite a number of times. Uh, Islander yep. first round pick a couple of years ago. Uh, what are the odds that he makes the jump next year? And any chance he could be next year's Matt Barzell? I mean, you can lie to me a little bit. I, make me no, I'm not going to lie to you a little bit. Um, I think I think they should wait another year on him. But he is a lot more physical as far as being strong than he was a year ago. And he now has shown me another level offensively that I wasn't sure he had. Like Barzell, we all knew he had that. Now, for Bellows, I I think he showed something else. I voted for him, actually, for MVP because I felt like, even though Middlestad had more points, I felt like Bellows had all the big goals. And so he was terrific. He was one of the best players in the tournament. And he he always had a greasiness to him. But now his skating has improved to the point where I think you have to look at him next year but probably wait one more year. Okay. And the other one I have for you, uh, and you know, on, on the Twitter universe, Russ, everyone yeah. had, you know, Rasmus Dahlin as the surefire number one pick after the World Juniors and Brady Tuchuk, a surefire top five pick. Are you there with Dahlin and Tuchuk on that level, or do you is that yeah. still open for debate? Yeah, no, I don't think it's uh, open for much debate. I mean, Boquist will be in there. Zadina will be in there. Uh, you know, it's going to get a little dicey, and it will depend on some of these other tournaments. Svechnikov will be in there, too. So, you know, that's – I don't think there's anything there. Now, could could Quinn Hughes be in there? He could be. He could be. That's, you know, something that will remain to be seen. But, you know, Hughes did look really good. But I know you wanted to know about Sallow, and what I noticed oh, about yeah. Sallow was – his his puck movement was really good. His skating has improved. I, I think he's going to end up playing like a Calvin DeHaan sort of role when he gets to the NHL. I think I don't think like just like you know they thought DeHaan was going to be this like offensive wizard because of what he did yeah. in juniors. You know he wasn't when he got to the NHL, and I think Salo will be similar, like a really good puck mover, very good defender, <clears throat> but play that kind of role. So I think I think they got a really good pick there, and I, I did like what I saw out of him. Yeah, yeah, and real quick, uh, Dowling, uh, do you think he's – what's the percent you think he's the number one guy for sure, or you think that's 
99.9. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Major <laughs> well, things would have to happen. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, Mark, I'm going to let you finish off with Russ. Yeah, I just wanted to... Uh, Bramstrom, again, going back to Bramstrom, he was taking one pick yeah. ahead of Lilligren, who I had at the time, yeah. uh, a little bit a little bit ahead of Lilligren. And I know you see a lot of, of Timothy Lilligren. How does Bramstrom stack up against Lilligren as far as his, his top end projection? And is, is it possibly a miss letting Lilligren go to Toronto, where I think he's going to do fantastic? Well, I, I still like Lilligren a little better, but only because he could be a little bit physical. Branstrom will never be able to be physical. Lilligren can. He was, you know, if you saw in that tournament, he had some some shots. You know, he elbowed a guy, and he, he was using the body, and that's the only difference. Now, Branstrom may be a slightly better point getter, but Lilligren has a little more size that Branstrom will just never have, and so I think they'll always be looked at, those two, but they really are different players, but they're both great. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I did have Lilligren you... ranked higher in the draft, and I still do have yeah. him ranked higher. I do. Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I had him up there, too, in, in Grandstrom. I kind of thought he would go mid-20s myself. Um, but, you know, so far, George McPhee, he's pushed all the right yeah. buttons, so... Um, no, he has, probably... and they really liked him, so I can't kill him for it. Not at all. He's a hell of a player. He really, he's a special, he has, he has special vision and is great skating. He really does. Well, I think when, when Shea Theodore fully comes into his own, if, if Branstrom is going to be the, the two-way option for a, for a Theodore yes. run power play and then Branstrom on the second power play unit, I don't think you're going to go yeah, that. Yeah, Theodore is close. I don't think you're going to be waiting that much longer for him, so I think you're right. I think that will be a, a hell of a parent. Yeah, I think we I think we go through this year if the the Golden Knights make the playoffs. Um, Theodore will get well, that they last will. little bit. They will make experience. it. Well, we'll pump the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> I got a I got a lot of hockey left to go. So I think that'll be the last little bit of experience we've seen him in the playoffs with Anaheim do his thing. Chase Theodore, I mean, and I I think yeah. the full camp next year he'll be he'll be in the NHL. Let me let you go. I know you're busy covering a game right now. Thank okay. you so much for coming in on your Saturday, taking time, Russ, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it, buddy. And you can follow Russ at Sportsology on Twitter, as well as go to the SoundCloud page, page Sportsology, where where he hosts a, a number of podcasts, including the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, as always, he's... he's uh, He's our go-to guy when it comes to the 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 youngins, man. He's he's all over the the. Yeah, team. him and him and Zach Devine, you know, are, are yep. our guys. Yeah, they're they're both great, and um, uh, I mean, all positive reports there, uh, and and for for Vegas and and the Islanders, that's good news. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I that's interesting. I, I was when I saw all those things about. Dolan, I was just, I got to find out from Russ. So now, now I know it's legit that uh, that he he he's the number one overall pick. Yep, yep. So now, now our uh, our next guest should be joining us in, in a minute or two. Mark Scheich. He is the lead hockey writer 
com, who also is kind enough to host our podcast over there on their podcast page. Um, he's the lead, lead writer there for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we're going to be talking some Blue Jackets hockey news out of news. Just real quick, just to get into some Blue Jackets talk. Um, news this week that Jack Johnson, JMFJ, uh, has asked for a trade from Columbus. What uh, what's your take on that, Chris? And and having it having it out there publicly, kind of kind of similar to a situation in in New York last year. Yeah, I think it's I think it's difficult, um, and also hurts the organization to trade him because now uh, they're up You've against with other teams knowing that hurts their bargaining position. And given the play, given like I said before about the playoff races, I mean I guess technically because the way the Atlantic is, um, they could trade him to say uh, a Toronto, um, it, and it probably won't bite him. Although. You never know. Maybe they, they, if they envision a long playoff run, assuming they make the playoffs, uh, they could face Toronto, let's say, in the Eastern Conference Finals and then have him come back and bite them. So in a perfect world, uh, or, or really the right world, they should be looking at the move him to a Western Conference team. So that that limits options as well. Uh, I would imagine there would be a number of teams looking to bolster their defense. Um, the thing is about that, too, though, as you know, injuries happen, and, and uh, you know they might be have enough depth for today, but and you know he's getting less impactful minutes, if you will. But then they're one injury away from really needing him. So it, it, it's it's a bit of a a tight a high wire act in terms of moving him, and and you're really probably looking at either a prospect or a draft pick. So because he is a pending uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, so. Uh, that's a tough situation to be in. Yeah, and I mean, once once it was out, you you, I mean, Jack Johnson's the kind of player when he was with the Los Angeles Kings and he his first his three year deal was up. He he went in and signed a a, a, a deal on his own, man to man with Dean Lombardi, no agent, no lawyers. He went in, they talked about it, I believe, for 45 minutes to an hour, and Jack Johnson signed the deal. Um, it, one of the things that Dean Lombardi did in my eyes that that, that I didn't like was that it, one, once he did that, and he, he took, at the time, his stock was rising quite a bit. So he took a little bit of a, a discount from what he probably would have got on the open market to stay in L.A., give them a little bit of a cap cap certainty back when he did this deal and then that season he was traded for Jeff Carter so I, I it's like that what I didn't like the message that that sends that a guy is going to come up be up front just get a deal done because he wanted to be a Los Angeles King and then sure Jeff Carter's been a lot to the Los Angeles Kings but that you kind of you kind of look at the other side of that coin and what Jack Johnson did so he's always the straight up guy and he you know he's gonna he he you know his quotes are, are from from the media scrum there was, I've been holding a lot of things for many years. Yeah, it's out. I own it. I have nothing to hide. That's our situation. And I hope people can understand it's a situation where you're trying to do what's best for the family. Me, my wife and kids and any husband and father can relate to that. So that's, that's where he's at with the thing. Um, now, now going past what it means to Columbus, um, 
what about the Western Conference? What kind of it? I wouldn't mind seeing him somewhere in in the Vegas Golden Knights six because if, if they're looking for a different kind of player, you could move a Garrison for a Jack Johnson type player um, if you can make those pieces fit. Um, what what do you think in the West where he might be a good fit? Yeah, I mean, like San Jose and Calgary are fine on defense. I mean, San, San Jose, Jose. Needs forward. You know, I mean, so I, I don't see those teams. Uh, same thing with Anaheim. Uh, you know, you maybe back Calgary. to the Kings. Is that it? Yeah, hey, I got those top four guys, though. You know, um, uh, Chicago would be a good fit for him, but they are beyond cap strapped because uh, they're going to have to, you know, uh, uh, figure some maneuvering. Not that Johnson has a killer number. I think it's 4.2 or 4.3. Um, so everything's so tight out there. Maybe a Winnipeg, I, I could say, uh, bolster, you know, their defense. But, you know, the Getting bigger thing for me with Columbus, yeah, is that I would want to ask Mark Shark when hopefully he'll be calling in any minute here, is in terms of, you know, they got off to a good start uh, this year, uh, the first month. And really since then, I've been kind of treading water. And I know they're, you know, they're a point out of second place. But there are a bunch of teams right on top of them. They're really not that far. They're only a couple of losses away from, you know, missing the playoffs. Uh, so, like, and, you know, looking at them statistically, other than, you know, three or four guys, a lot of guys are, you know, below their production, what you expect out of them. So I think there's some cause, causes for concern in Columbus. Uh, I think if you've gone to my head, I, I believe they will make the playoffs, but. It's by no means a certainty, and quite honestly, obviously, for this team going to this year, making the playoffs wasn't good enough. I mean, they're still looking to break the to make the win a playoff round, and this year was really supposed to be the year that that were to happen. So, even if they make the playoffs, play you know a good competitive series against a strong team and lose, I mean that's a that's a disappointing year for where they're at. Yeah, for sure. A lot of guys are are down on them, but they're still, you know, they're in third place. They're holding down a playoff spot. Um, yeah, it, but they've it, been very it, you mediocre, know. you know, since the last couple of months. Uh, I don't know their exact record, but I think it's right around 500. They've been very mediocre the last couple of months. So uh, that, 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 that would concern me. I mean, I thought they would be a lot better than than uh than what they have been so far well we're going to see them here in vegas uh next week so we'll have a, a eyes on eyes on firsthand experience to uh little scattering report for them what, yeah, what I mean, else panarin's are we, uh, panarin's been really go. good for them uh as well as you know uh the, the rookie uh, ironically Pierre-Luc Dubois has been good. Uh, the, the Swedish forward, uh, what's his name? Bjork, uh, Bjorkstrom, am I pushing his name too? He's been signing, and uh, Bobrovsky's uh, kind of bailed him out at times. Um, but uh, Rorensky has 11 goals. He has a strange stat line. I think he has 11 goals and 10 assists. Um, and Seth Jones has been one of their better players. But, you know, Atkinson, I know he's hurt, but his production hasn't been great, and Weinberg's production is down, and Dubinsky, and you know Boone Jenner, and 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 uh, Foligno, all these guys, their production is 
is is down uh, quite a bit. So, I like I said, um, uh, you know, Savard's a good defensive defenseman. You know, Ryan Murray, I guess, is solid. I mean, he, the thing about Ryan Murray is you think of him being the third overall pick, and you know, he's gonna he's a nice player, but that's kind of where it begins and ends. So, um, they still have the backup goalie issue. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I I do think there's there's a lot of causes for concern because. Uh, I want to say they're at 55 points. The Devils are a point ahead of them. You got the Rangers and the Penguins just two points behind them, and and then you got you know you have the uh, the Islanders and the Flyers in the mix as well. Um, I, I'm like I said, I am just a I'm just if I was a Blue Jackets fan, I would be concerned, and I could see them uh, making a couple of deals. And one of the names, uh, a guy who who actually is uh, I believe from uh, Russ's hometown, Russ Cohen, last guy's hometown, Sonny Milano on Long Island, New York. I mean, when he plays, he scores, but there's definitely some issues with him playing in terms of the other the other end of the game, in terms of playing a complete game. He's a guy I could see them, you know, moving to help them now. Yeah, for sure. Well, they are two points clear of both New York and Pittsburgh, and Philly's five points back, so... But right now, the division. You, you're okay. uh, breaking up there. You're breaking up a bit there, Mark. Okay. Um, they've they, they got a couple games up over New York and Pittsburgh, and they're five points clear of Philly. Yeah, you're still, still, you're still breaking up a bit. You're still breaking up a bit, Mark. Sorry for that, folks. Mark will get reset there. Working on it. Working on it. How are we doing? Are we back? Yeah, you're, st- you're still a little uh, uh, broken up a bit. A little scratchy. How's that? Better. Okay. So Mark's going to be working on uh, getting squared away there. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm just, I mean, Columbus to me, I mean, look, there's still, you still got, you know, a little less than 40 games left in the regular season. And they're a team that uh, could wind up being uh, very much uh, to be reckoned with, and uh, could go on a, a long playoff run. And they're they're definitely a team where you can make a very strong case for of you know if they can buy the right. And again, when I say buy, we're not talking about bringing in a 40 goal scorer or you know Chris Chelios in this prime type of right. thing. Just a couple of just uh, sound, bingo, you sound much better. Uh, just a couple of pieces. Uh, that can kind of turn this team around and and um, you know and improve its improve its play. But I, I think there's a lot on the line for the Jackets this this year. I mean, uh, still. Well, let me ask you this: Have we reached the saturation point with Tortorella in that locker room? Because he is the type of coach that you it it, it works good for a couple of years, and then you know in the past teams have gotten to that saturation point with he's a little abrasive. I, I, I thought he'd been doing better with that, but do you think they're they're hitting a wall with, with Coach Tortorella in the room in Columbus and maybe they're not playing as hard for him? Yeah, I mean I guess this is what, this is year three for with Tortorella. And that's uh yeah. second second yeah, so um I know they've had a number of injuries, but you know, guess what? So has every, almost every other team. So that's not sure. an excuse. They have depth. They have 
they have, uh, quote-unquote, one of the best goalies in the league. I know they're in a tough division, but so is, you know, so is everyone in the Central. And so, and, and, and also so is pretty much everyone in the Pacific. Um, and the, uh, but I don't know. That, that would be a bad – I mean, it, it, he hasn't been there six years. He's been there three years. So um, it's a good question because maybe that is the life expectancy of Tortorella. And if it is, it's kind of hard to hire him for uh, for jobs, in my opinion. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, it took him a while I, to get a gig after New York. Yeah, I, I can't right. I can't blame I can't put it on his shoulders. You know, you got to remember too. This is uh, there's been a, there's a lot of expectations on this team uh, going into the season, and maybe they're feeling that. Uh, maybe they felt that going into this year as well. So, and they do have a lot of you know young players. Uh, ironically, it's the really young players like Jones and Rorensky and Luke Dubois. They've all been fine. It's the it's the other guys. It's the guys you think you could you know uh, bank on. And again, I'm not asking Boot Jenner uh, to score 30 goals, which I think he did almost did a couple two three years ago. But obviously his he has to, his production has to be a lot better. Uh, you know Weinberg is even though he, I know he missed some time with an injury, but production is is like 20 25 percent down just from an offensive standpoint. So. Uh, this year in terms of points averaging per game. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I, I mean, I probably put the whammy on them and now they'll win 10 in a row. But, uh, I, I, if I was a Jackets fan, I would be, I would be concerned. And again, if you ask me, give me, give you a list of teams I could see being aggressive, uh, between now and the trade deadline and making, making a move or two, uh, Columbus to me is on top of the list. Well, let me ask you this: If they miss the playoffs, does Tortorella come back next year? You know, With the expectations the they have, I, I got to say this: uh, In terms of, you know, John Davidson's been there a while. I mean, in terms, I I don't think you can say John Davidson, who's the team president, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, is it Kekalainen, the general manager? I can see his face. Yeah, Kekalainen. I know he's a little. Yeah, uh, the general manager and Tortorella. If I was any of them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily feel safe. Now that's just from an outsider's point of view. Uh, to me, right? Uh, I, I could say I could see ownership saying, you know what, guys, you've done a good job here, but we we can't get over the hump. We took a, you know, this year was really, you know, supposed to be about playoffs were given, and we were supposed to be in a position to be a favorite uh, to the minimum win around and, and then go beyond that. Um, and we didn't come anywhere near close. So if they missed the playoffs, so I, I would think things, there could be uh, quite a bit of changes. I think that's on that's the table. If that, if that would happen. I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Well, it does look like Mark's so going to be able to make it in to join us today. So uh, we right. pretty much wrap, I'll this, reach out wrap to him the show for, up. Yeah, future, for, for future future dates, I'm sure it's something unavoidable. Yeah, I'll reach out to him, and uh, uh, we do have a great a uh, couple of great shows coming up uh, next week. We have first-time guest Rob Reese, fantasy editor for NHL.com. So we'll get in with him a little bit about fantasy hockey in terms of the you know do's uh, and don'ts for the rest of the year. Some young players that he would uh, he would buy, some young players maybe that he would sell, 
And then we bring back the uh, the big fan favorite of the show, Zach Devine. Um, we got a lot to talk about him. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously he writes a, a lot about the Sharks, so we have to ask him about the, where the Sharks are at, uh, where the Pacific is at, obviously get his thoughts on the Knights, um, where the Western Conference is at, with this crazy playoff race that's going on out there, and get his sneak peek on uh, the upcoming Where his draft board is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, at least for the top, you know, the first top ten picks and, you know, not go through each guy, but just some of the bigger names, get a name that he, get a guy that he really likes and and uh, where we're at with that and uh, trying to get a feel of how good this draft class is. And then the following week, the following week uh, we'll have Lyle Richardson back from Spectres Hockey. At that point, we'll be about three weeks before the trade deadline. So, We'll get all the latest rumors Perfect. from him, yeah. And uh, you know, maybe and after that, we'll get we'll get uh, we'll get Schreiger back on. Also, too, I'm working on a Winnipeg Jets guest in February, so we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. But uh, stuff on the yeah, plate. like I said, yeah. So it's uh, uh like a real the league has to me never been more uh, fascinating. You know, if the teams in the the Atlantic. Uh, we're just a few points better. It would be really off the hook, but um, you know it'll be interesting to see because uh, those all those teams are uh, talk about being ten points out of a playoff spot. You know the Floridas, the Montreals, and the um, who's the other can and uh, Florida, Montreal. Who, who else am I missing? And oh, Detroit, Edmonton. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how those three teams, if they stay status quo, like if they're in that. Uh, do they make a move between now and the trade deadline uh, in terms of the standings and then uh, allow them to think they should make a move before the deadline? Or if they tread uh, tread water or slip a little bit, then you could, you might put them in that seller's pool. Although, I again, I don't know. I'm people. not sure. Go ahead. There's a lot of people calling for seller mode in, in Montreal. Maybe not seller mode. Montreal Nation doesn't want to hear seller mode. But they they want that roster shaken up. They're tired of it. Yeah, if you see the thing is, if you want to do a roster shakeup, um, you're better off waiting for the off season to do that because the teams I agree deal the deadline for the most part for the most part are going to be looking uh, to make a move. Uh, you know, they're going to trade prospects and picks and, and, and buy mode. So. You know, it, it depends. I mean, if they feel like they need to trade Max Pacioretty, I mean, are they looking at selling him? Uh, at, you know, or are they looking to trade him for a now trade? Um, and that's more likely to happen in the off season. So if they're looking to say, okay, let's put him out there to see if there's a team willing to trade us their first-round pick and a top prospect, and if they are, no. then we'll do it between now and the deadline. It, it, you know, is that what we do for Max Pacioretty? Yeah, I don't know. He is signed through next season, so you would get him the rest of this year and next. Um, so that's, But I don't know if Montreal, it, it, they might be like, no, 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 we want a now player. We don't, you know, I mean, they're kind of caught in between because two of their best players, Carey Price and Shea Weber, or, you know, they got they got they still got three or four really good years, but, you know, the Canadians shouldn't be, you know, if they're looking at building this thing up to be a, a true contender two years from now, well, 
you know, uh, the tread on that tire is going to be not, you know, so there's going to be a lot less tread on that tire. So, you know, Detroit is definitely, I would be shocked if they don't sell, but they, they're really talking about Mike Green. I mean, that sort of comes down to they'll do well for him. Um, Florida's an interesting case because it still hasn't worked. You know, you talk about a team that's really gone backwards. They won the division two years ago, had that great first-round series with the Islanders, and since then they've really they've really gone backwards. They've gone through – they've had three head coaches in that time, uh, two GMs, and it still hasn't – they're not a bad team, and they have a lot of young talent, but they have they a lot of talent. The corner, and, and, to be fa- and to be completely blunt and fair, it's not like they're playing in the other divisions. I mean, that is not – you know, Tampa's great. Boston's having a strong season. Toronto's good. But, uh, you know, you, you can't compare. Uh, you can't do the Pepsi Challenge in terms of uh, the depth in the division compared to the other three. No, not at all. Um, yeah. T- tough, to, tough to figure that one out. I, You know my feelings on that situation. <laughs> yeah, no. It, and, uh, like I said, they have some good young talent, but um. Oh boy. Yeah. I. I don't know. Head scratch. Where are they headed? Head scratch. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but again, I. I don't think they're going to be making a big trade with one of those, you know, core pieces, if you will. That would be more of an off-season thing. So. Yeah. Um, well, we'll. we'll yeah, when I, uh, Mr. Spectre comes yeah. in, he will. He'll break all that down for us. Yeah. Absolutely. At that point, maybe we'll have a feel of. And that's going to be probably our first question, right? Who are definitely right. the sellers? And, sure. you know, who's leaning toward, who, toward selling? Well, all right, Chris, we're out of time for this week. Make sure you, everyone right, who listened to the show this long, go to the podcast app on your iPhone and click click it and search the Vegas Hockey Podcast and hit the subscribe button. Go to Russ Cohen, our guest earlier in the show about the World Juniors for uh, – all of his content, sportsology.com and the Sportsology page on SoundCloud for the podcast that he's been kind enough to include us on his tab there. Go to Chad Dominici's grandstandsports.net. Also a, a kind enough gentleman to feature this podcast on his page, along with all the other great sports content that they have over there. And for this week, that's going to wrap it up. So until next week, at the same time, same channel. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.